Sandy bounces back against the Dodgers and puts the exclamation point on his Cy Young candidacy in 2022. We're going to dig into that plus the Edward Cabrera start and look ahead to the Monday game against the Dodgers all on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins and the Monday episode of Locked On Marlins. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Don't forget to follow me, of course, on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. No TikToks, no Instas. If you want to subscribe to the pod, they're available everywhere and free. Also, if you're watching, hello. This is the YouTube channel. Please subscribe as well. Content coming at you like Cleopatra five days a week, Monday to Friday. First of all, Monday episode, Hello Pod. Uh, you can see I'm not in my usual gym shark attire. What is going on? Well, it's a bank holiday here in the UK. And so what does that mean? No work and more wine. So I'm heading out early doors um, with the family to go and enjoy a nice day. So I thought I'd hop on, fire out this pod. I'm ready to rock and roll. Shirt looking on point. Hair looking on point. Let's get into these Marlins. Um, you know, as we talked about, or as we've been talking about for the past, you know, good couple of months, really, the season... Uh, from a wins and loss perspective, is done. In Actually, more losses would be good <laughs> to try and get uh, a bigger chance to uh, get one of the top six picks in this lottery. But the main storylines, apart from letting the kids play, remain Sandy Alcantara and his Cy Young candidacy. The Marlins have never had a Cy Young winner ever in the history of the franchise. A couple have come close, but no one, I don't think, has been as close as Sandy Alcantara this season. And in advance of this weekend, talked about it on the Friday episode. It was all about Sandy and against the Dodgers, they have been his nemesis. However, it's mainly at Dodgers Stadium where the, the issues transpire for Sandy. On the road in LA is not his friend. However, at home in Lone Depot, different situation. So there's two main things to dig out from the Saturday game. Sandy Alcantara, let's park him for one second. I also have to talk about the fact that there was 25,000 in the ballpark. It was sensational. So bigger picture for the Marlins. You know, listen, the, the reasons are, there's a couple of reasons blending into this. A, it's a Saturday game um, at a, uh, I guess, uh, an evening game on a Saturday. It wasn't the kind of afternoon, late afternoon starts they've been doing. So it was a later game on a Saturday, first box. The Dodgers are the best team in baseball. They were in town. So that's another tick. Sandy Alcantara going for the Marlins, another tick. Also, it was Venezuelan Heritage Night, another tick. City Connects were on, another tick. All of this culminated in over 25,000 being at the ballpark, and the ballpark was absolutely pumping. They even had the top deck open. They needed stewards in the top deck. They haven't needed that, I guess, since opening day. So for me, as a fan here sitting in the UK, it's hard for me to understand. I don't know... The ins and outs, I don't know why people go to the ballpark, why they don't, etc. It's really hard to kind of understand that because I live so far away. But as a fan, it does inspire me. I felt inspired watching that game, feeling the energy in the ballpark. And I'm sure the players feel it too. And I'm sure Sandy Alcantara felt it too. You know, the atmosphere 
was pumping. I've seen tons of Twitter videos after saying it's the best game of the year, best atmosphere of the game of the, of the year. And this is what we're looking for. And my, you know, the general assessment is, okay, the conditions, the overall conditions combined created that situation. I've listed them all off already. But for the Marlins, it remains the most critical element. Can they get the bums in the seats? Can they get the atmosphere going? Can they get a regular stream of, of attendances to that kind of level? Because if it does, it will create all the other opportunities that, that they need. However, they need to, going back to it, they need to put a winning product on the field. They need to put an exciting product on the field. And listen, the Dodgers are an exciting product. I would pay to go and watch the Dodgers. You know, And the, the seats are cheap. So I'd pay to go and watch him because they are an absolute juggernaut of a team, no doubt about it. Sandy Alcantara, I'd pay to watch him against anyone. I'd also pay to watch Jazz Chisholm in a City Connect jersey because, boy, oh, boy, that just works, no doubt about it. So all in all, it was great to see the attendance. It was great to see the ballpark packed. And for me, it's a if you build it, they will come situation. That's what we're all saying. You can't expect the fans to just turn up and watch substandard baseball that lacks entertainment value. There's too much to do in Miami. Miami, the way it works seemingly is if they're in the hunt, if there's if there's a game on the line, if there's something happening, people will show. Felt like that was the case. It's it's really hard to convince the people to come and watch the, the Pirates on a Wednesday uh, when both teams are absolutely turgid. And we understand that. So, and other clubs feel that pain as well. So we have to call that out. But for me, it was fantastic to see the atmosphere, the energy, in the game itself. And the reason the atmosphere and energy was up was it was a close game. But Sandy Alcantara, boy, oh boy, this has been the story. How could he respond? And he responded with aplomb. Absolutely stunning performance. A complete game against the Dodgers. Sandy's fourth complete game of the year. Four complete games for Sandy. That is, hold on a minute. Is that his fifth? That could be his fifth of the year. I may have got it wrong. <laughs> Either way, it's more than any other team uh, has put together. As, as, a, as a whole rotation, as a team, Sandy is just different. He is built different. This start, I mean, it was it was funny, right? You get into the ninth, thinking, let's go, Sandy. couple of you know relatively quick outs. Then all of a sudden, the bases are juiced, and Stephen O'Kurt is warming up in the pen. You're thinking, oh, boy, here we go. But Sandy against Joey Gallo with the bases juiced, for me, it felt like a kind of perfect matchup, really. Joey Gallo, he's bombs, bombs strikeouts, and ground balls away. Actually, he hit it pretty well. He made quite good contact, but... Lewin Diaz there at first base. The glove worked. And uh, that that led to the, the complete one run, the win. The Marlins win it 2-1 against the Dodgers. They took it right down to the ninth. Their bases were juiced with two outs. Sandy gets out of it. And for me, spoke about it on Twitter yesterday. When you look at the Cy Young, the NL Cy, uh, the, the current shortlist, there's only one name on it. Sandy Alcantara is the only name on the shortlist now. That is it. I have closed the books on the Cy Young race in the NL. For me, Sandy Alcantara is the 2022 NL Cy Young winner. No doubt about it. There's no one that can catch him now. They can't. He is, he's doing things that others simply cannot at this moment in, in time in baseball, or they're not being allowed to do. However you look at it, it doesn't matter. Sandy, he is, he's pitching at another level. He's pitching a different type of game than everyone else. I say got into, but some some people kind of picked it up and wanted to throw some stats at it. Oh, hey, look at Carlos Rodon or look at Aaron Nola, blah, blah, blah. FIP this, flop that, XERA this, XFIP this. It's total nonsense. I've watched Sandy all season long. I've watched the other guys as well. And listen, the eyeballs tell me that Sandy is just on a different level. The numbers tell, tell me it too. 
I can't believe people are kind of trying to throw out expected stats and this and that. Come on, what are you doing? It's one of the other reasons why I really, at times, dislike stats and that approach to the game. Like, we're talking about what's happened, not what was what could have happened or what was expected. Is total nonsense. I'm not a stat guy. I'm not I'm not really into that. But it was just a funny conversation that I got into. Um, the guy, a Royals fan, uh, but maybe he's you know analytically minded. Let's say. And he took things off into a, a random direction, ended up arguing with everyone about, about how Carlos Rodon is better. The other thing, too, I looked at war. I normally go to baseball reference for stats, if, if indeed I look. Um, I, and when you look at the Fangraphs war, Fangraphs had Carlos Rodon at a higher war than Sandy Alcantara. Fangraphs, listen, I'm going to put this out to you boys now. Your model's broken. <laughs> it's completely broken. If you somehow are ending up with a, with a war number for Carlos Rodon, higher than Sandy Alcantara, there's something wrong with your model. It's 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 rubbish. <laughs> well, what is it good for? In this case, absolutely nothing. Sandy with the eyeballs tell me he wins the side. I think this complete game against the Dodgers, coming off the back of being blown up against the Dodgers, completely ends the race. So let's catch up on a few other items. But before we do that, it's our first ad of the day. And are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. See what they did there with that rhyme and slang, no doubt. So we go into the Sunday game. It was a very early game. It was 5.05 p.m. UK time, which means it's pretty much uh, midday Eastern. Uh, I don't even know what time it must be. What, 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. Uh, on West Coast time. So those Dodgers fans had to get up real early. But we went from Sandy to Sandy 2.0, Eddie Cabrera. Um, we were looking at what could he do against a very tough Dodgers lineup, obviously, what could Eddie do? Could he continue this streak and become the only Marlins pitcher ever to go through a full month without giving up an earned run? Uh, earned run? And we got the answer after the first hitter. <laughs> Mookie Betts um, on a changeup, low in the zone. I wouldn't say it was a terrible pitch, but Mookie's just playing out of his mind. Mookie just plonks one into center field, sticks it onto the onto the uh, the ivy or whatever there is up there, the shrubbery. Um, and uh, that was the end of it. Mookie Betts playing at another level, no doubt. Um, but Edward Cabrera, he got into some real trouble in that first inning and got out of it. It felt like, to me, it felt like when Sandy Alcantara has had similar struggles at similar times where, okay, it goes a little bit wonky in the first, he gets through it, and then it's all about what can you do after that. And for me, Eddie, after that, it was it was impressive. The curveball usage was so high. He must have thrown 35, 40 curveballs. It was a different type of approach, a different type of mix against these Dodgers. And, um, you know, listen, for me, Eddie Cabrera, he's really flashing promise here where I just feel, I feel confident. However, there's still an element of wildness in there. So there's, you know, a little bit of control issue when that was, I mean, that was uh, solidified or exclaimed when he, when he pinged, Trey Turner straight off the helmet with a fastball. It was like 96, 97, straight off Trey Turner's helmet. And it was just off the back of Trey Turner being on the broadcast 
which was amazing to hear, by the way. Just wanted to segue into Trey Turner. It was great to hear him. He's there, middle of the game, having the conversations with the guys. At times, I think the booth forgot that he was playing. So there was a pitch coming in. He's playing shortstop. There's a pitch coming in, and they're still asking him questions as the, as the you know, the pitch is going. Um, Arias was going. So as Arias was literally in the windup, they're asking him, hey, uh, you know, what do you think about this and that? And I'm thinking, boys, you need to kind of, you know, let the guy concentrate. And that was um, that was emphasized as well, where there was a grounder straight to him, and he muffed it a little bit, and he ended up getting the out. Uh, but Trey Turner, I this is why I love these types of things, the the mic'd up stuff, is like I've never heard Trey Turner speak. I'm, I'm not I'm not a Nats fan. I'm not a Dodgers fan. I don't follow Trey Turner that closely off the field, and I, I feel like I've never really heard him speak. I don't know anything about his personality, but I loved hearing from Trey Turner on the field at that point, like just. A top guy, he's playing loose. That's the thing I, I get with the Dodgers is they know they're good and they're playing fast and loose. They're playing, they're having fun. They're having fun out there. It's easy to have fun when you're winning all of the time. And but that's the culture those boys have got. Everyone's there, hyper competitive, but everyone is it's a nice clubhouse bind, a nice glue. Everyone's playing both really well. But overall, the competitiveness was there. Him and Freddie, it's a game within the game. The, I guess the 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 batting um the batting title, let's say, or you know, who's gonna have the most amount of hits and whatever. So Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman going up against each other in that one. But going back to Eddie Cabrera, uh, actually, just to finish on Trey Turner, if he is a free agent, uh, he'll be expensive and will be way out of the Marlins price range. He would be a sensational fit and a sensational um player to build around. Um, but as we know, the Marlins aren't going to spend the type of money for, for Trey Turner. So we'll just have to see where he lands. For, for me, you know, if, if they want him in, in LA, Trey Turner to me looks like he's feeling happy there. Why not stay there? You want to be on a winning team. If it was me, where would I want to play? I want to play with LA. I want to play with the Dodgers. We got a chance of a ring every single year right now, the way that team is built. So stay there. Back to Eddie Cabrera. Like I said, a little bit loose. But for me, I loved... What I saw, a bit of a bulldog mentality came out, wasn't phased, wasn't phased, got through it. And he got to 100 pitches, 101 pitches. Unfortunately, you know, walked the guys to two thirds of the fifth, uh, of the sixth, sorry. And uh, and Donnie, you know, pulls him at that point. Nance comes in, gives up a few hits. So then his line ends up looking a lot worse than, than perhaps it was. You know, it was, he pitched better than the line suggests. But at the end of the day, he kind of ran out of pitches um, and then Tommy Nance came in and gave up some some big hits that, that piled in on for Eddie Cabrera. But for me, this next month is really intriguing to see what, what, what Eddie continues to be. A, is he healthy? B, we know the stuff plays. But I'd love to see. It's all about can he just some of the wildness because it still remains a little bit where the walks are a little bit too high for him. As we saw, he's thrown a couple of headshots in there. Not optimal um, from Eddie at all. But encouraging start. Monday's game, today's game, it's the end of the four-game series. The Marlins looking for a split. They're looking to split against the Dodgers at home in a four-game series. So it's tough. I mean, they got blown out of it yesterday in the end. Um, it was tight until that Eddie Cabrera sixth inning, to be honest. Um, and then they, the, the Dodgers kind of you know pulled away as they do. They are just a, a phenomenal team, by the way. They're absolutely phenomenal. Everyone in that lineup is dangerous, um, including the center fielder. I talked about him the other week. Um, Trace Thompson, you know, another home run from him. And it was a no doubter um, how the Dodgers just, you know, send some cash considerations over to, to the Tigers, pick up this dude. Um, he then slots into center field and and rakes. 
And, you know, it's frustrating that, you know, the Marlins have been searching for center fielders all year. Um, they miss out on this dude, but hey-ho, it is what it is. Pablo goes tonight. And I must say, Pablo, one of, the, one of my favorite moments of the Sandy start was Pablo Lopez at the end of the line, at the end of the game, just standing there, just applauding like a proud father, a proud brother, whatever it is. Pablo and Sandy have this connection. I think it's a really intriguing kind of subplot here that those two are so close and they get they make each other better. If you were to move Pablo, how that would impact Sandy? Because that's his boy. They've been around in this rebuild together forever, effectively. And so that would be a really interesting wrinkle. Wrinkle. I know it's part of the business and blah, 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 but I know it would impact Sandy um, for sure. It's great to have his kind of, you know, his wingman around. Him and Pablo are just such, such a tight-knit bunch for sure. But just seeing Pablo there, just clapping and applauding Sandy coming off the field after that complete game was great to see. Um, Pablo goes tonight, and it's Tony Gonsolin going for the for the Dodgers. There's been this talk again. I've already said, for me, Gonsolin, the Cy Young, it's cooked. But wouldn't it be fantastic if the Marlins come out and they blow up Gonsolin, put up, you know, hang up a six or a seven spot on him, just pile into him? Um, the offense has been pretty turgid for you know a good portion of months now it would be a bit of a shocker if this would happen but you know baseball works in mysterious ways doesn't it it really does and wouldn't it be amazing if if the Marlins offense just came alive and blew Gonsolin up right out of there we'll wait to see speaking about blowing things up I must say Brian Anderson Brian Anderson is yeah I mean he's having he's having an interesting series he got tossed out of the game on Saturday um it's a it's an interesting situation where this has happened a few times to the fish where Sliding into second, it feels like the, the second baseman or shortstop then pushes you off the bag and, you know, whatever. There's a bit of that in there. Like, it's it's tough. Like, you're, you're going full speed into second. Um, it's hard to stop. Uh, it, it is. And so you're always kind of overbalanced in many ways. But Brian Anderson completely lost his mind. I think he, he said the umpire was blind or something. I haven't heard that. But it looked to me like he was suggesting, like, open your eyes. Um, can you not see what he did? Tossed out of there. But... In yesterday's game, B.A. with an absolute no doubt, a big, big blast from B.A. Spoke about it last week with Joe Frasaro. Where do the Marlins go with Brian Anderson? And with the, the final year of arbitration, I was thinking last night, I was kind of looking at things and thinking, I wonder if they look to put so like the Max Muncy type of deal, albeit a lower, lower dollar value, where you buy out his RB year, plus you tack on a, a team option, or something for the for the year after, you know, five six million, whatever it might be. So you end up doing like a a two year, a two year deal with BA. I th I still think there's. I mean, again, we spoke with, with Joe about it the other day. Joe feels like it's more likely than not that that Brian Anderson isn't with the Marlins next year. But I look around and I think, okay, he's not playing third base now. But when he has been playing third base, it's above average, and it's hard to find those guys, and they are valuable. The bat when it plays is good too. I, I do think that Brian Anderson, if healthy, and I guess this is the you know the, the main problem because he, he's had you know two years in a row where he's had these shoulder issues. But at five million, um, for me, I still feel like it's good value. Five six million for Brian Anderson. He can play third base. He can play play the outfield. He can hit like the dude. The dude. He's, he is what he is. He broke through big time early in the rebuild and it has kind of plateaued a bit, but the injuries have, have hurt him. But for me, if, if I was thinking about things, it, what happens if you, 
you trade away Brian Anderson right now, like got Birdie and you've got Wendell and, you know, you've got LeBlanc and, you know, all these guys. But frankly, I think Brian Anderson, when healthy, is is a better overall baseball player than than pretty much all those dudes. I mean, Wendell's really struggled um, since since the All-Star break, maybe even slightly before. Garrett Cooper, since he was named an All-Star, boy, oh boy, it has been a real struggle for him. Again, um, injuries uh, have kind of kicked in, hurt Coop, concussion, et cetera. But, you know, it's been a real kind of struggle um, for, for, for Coop, for Wendell, you know, it, it's just the, you know, the grind of a one, six, two, but BA for me, he adds value. He adds value in the corners too. You know, if it was me, I would look to do a Muncie type deal. I would like to see Brian Anderson back around for next year. I, I was losing the faith at one point, but I'm back in. And I feel like, you know, these kind of series against the Dodgers, you know, they're an elite team and Brian Anderson's out there raking. And with that being said, you know, you, it, it's hard for the Marlins to give up on these dudes, um, you know, in, in the main. Nice to see Herrera and Encarnacion getting into the game uh, on Saturday. Big RBI. It was the game-winning RBI for, for Encarnacion. His usage has been a little bit puzzling for me. Um, I don't think he's, you know, he's not being given a full opportunity. They're, they're playing BA in right field pretty much every day. So, again, he's kind of being blocked. You know, the Marlins are really kind of, Although it's kind of let the kids play, I still feel like they're leaning on the vets uh, in the main and you know sprinkling in the kids. Um, I'm not sure, really sure what the value is in that at this point. It feels like LeBlanc. Um, Nicky Fortes is interesting as well. Someone else threw up a stat when Fortes is DHing, uh, and he was DHing on 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 the Friday game, I believe. Why is Nick Fortes DHing? You've got Encarnacion, you've got Lewin Diaz. They're they're legitimate DH dudes. Fortes when he's DHing hits under 100, I think, or whatever. So it's been not good from him. It's a head scratcher for me. Let him play catcher when he's playing catcher. No need to have Fortes DHing. You've got other options there. You've got at bats that you'd like to give around to Lewin, Encarnacion, Burdick, you know, whoever it might be. Um, so I'm really puzzled with that. Still a bit puzzled on this first base usage as well. And of course, I haven't even mentioned it. The big news, Jesus Aguilar, DFA'd. God, I've got 22 minutes in. I forgot to even mention that Jesus Aguilar was DFA'd. Thought I covered that last week. I didn't. Big news. I'm going to dig into that probably more so uh, on tomorrow's episode with Sean Barrett. Sean is joining me tomorrow, so that'll be the Tuesday episode. And with that being said, guys, this is a quick and breezy one. My wife's just texted me to say, Pete, we got to go. So with that being said, that's Monday's breezy episode of Locked on Marlins in the books. It's me, Peter Pratt, of course. I'm back tomorrow. And as I mentioned, Sean Barrett is also joining me tomorrow. We'll dig into more of the action. We'll get into Monday's game as well as the news around Jesus Aguilar being DFA'd is cleared waivers, so is free to sign with any team now. So really intrigued to see where Aggie goes. We'll talk about his best bits and perhaps why it went wrong with uh, with him in Miami. But guys, I appreciate you joining me on Locked On Marlins today. And I will be back tomorrow, Tuesday, with Sean Barrett. In the meantime, let's go fish. <laughs>